Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Carol Tuttle Child Whisperer Show. For the next hour, be prepared to be blown away as Carol shares some amazing tips and how-tos that are guaranteed to revolutionize your parenting experience. Each week, Carol brings her creative, hands-on approach to parenting using the unique model of child whispering, her vast knowledge of natural healing methods, and her passion and drive to help you become the best parent you can be. Carol is the mother of five grown children who all turned out to be pretty amazing people and are now becoming parents of their own, giving Carol the chance to become an even better grandparent. Welcome to today's show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Child Whisperer Podcast. I have a little bit of a sniffle I woke up with this morning. You can tell the way I'm talking. You can, it's like I have a little bit of a cold. That's great. I'm happy for my body to get healthy and clear away any old energies. That's kind of how I, that's how I choose to see the shifts that are happening in my body. I'm letting go of old energies that have been stored in the body and waking up to be more of the truth of who I am. So, thanks for joining me today. Uh, I'm just checking out the Child Whisper blog right now. There's some really fun posts, some video posts that have gone up in the last um, couple weeks. We've got Hand-Me-Down Secrets When Children Dress Their Truth. I interview a type 2 mom who has lots of little tricks that she uses, and you'll meet two of her children, her adorable type 3 little girl and her type 4 daughter and some really great tips to be able to make hammy that is the the scenario in the world of dressing your truth once you learn to dress your truth and you have your children dressing their truth the hand-me-down experience is altered a bit but this is some great tips and if you don't know about dressing your truth go to dressingyourtruth.com it's a great program that we teach for men and women it can be easily adapted to children once you learn the mechanics in our online learning um, resources that we offer when you buy the program. And then another great post, more tips to know your child's energy type from another type 2 mom. Um, make sure you watch that if you're still questioning that. Uh, what, Which of the four types your children lead with? Some great tips on that. And then five tricks to help high energy children sit still. And I interview a type 3 mom in this video, and children that are a type 1 energy or a type 3 energy have higher movements, and how do you work with that when they're small and as they develop to teach them how to sit still in settings that that that's an appropriate behavior choice because everyone does benefit from learning to sit still in certain scenarios. (laughs) So church, school, um, in the car sometimes when you're traveling Longer distances, if you're doing road trips, sitting in the car can be a challenge for some kids. I don't think we talked about how to, some tricks. Well, any of these can be adapted to any setting. Her tricks can be used in multiple settings. So check those out. Thanks for sharing them on Facebook. If you like the article, thanks for clicking the share button so others can learn this information as well. And then please join me at the Child Whisperer Facebook page. Currently, we have a growing page there where you can experience daily support. 
26,374 people have liked the page. It's growing on a daily basis. So um, you can also learn about the, the small groups for each of the four types when you visit the page. So today's topic is how to help um, some tips for children to declutter. And you may be the reason, you know, the first thing to consider is, are you the reason your children have more than they need and your home feels like it's cluttery? Because the mother and father definitely set the tone of the, the, the barometer of clutter. Um, children are not in a position of authority and choice enough, especially when they're little, they learn a lot of these habits from you, from their parents. And so in the decluttering your kids, you may first have to start with decluttering yourself. And what are your, what's your, at the barometer of clutter, are you high or low? You know, where would you rate yourself in? And you just, you can't keep a clean home because you have too much, too much going on, too much in your space. It's a lot of clutter. So let's maybe define, what do we mean by clutter? Clutter would, would, would be the feeling. It's a feeling, definitely, that you feel overwhelmed in your own personal space. That you feel um, distracted by what's in your space. That it's a very, that you can't enjoy your space because there's this distraction of, too much stuff, and it's invasive to your space. So I'm actually looking up the word clutter. Unwanted echoes that interfere with the observation of signals on a radar screen. So that's the scientific. A confused multitude of things. A confused multitude of things. Fill a space in a disorderly way. So it creates a sense of disorder, it adds to the state of feeling confused because there's just too much going on with stuff, things that you own. And so, excuse me, I need to blow my nose here. Um, the uh, That starts with you as a parent. So check that out. How are you doing? Is Are you on the same page with your the other um, parent, or both parents agree to what your space wants to, what you want to maintain in your space. And if there's disagreements on that, then you, it's supportive to create some personal space for the other parent to say, you know what, that's your deal, that's your office, that's your part of the garage, whatever space you can support them saying, you manage that, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it, but in the, in the joint space, the family space, there needs to be mutual agreement to say, hey, we want a neater home. We want to be, de- we, we need to declutter. We need to get rid of stuff or organize. Sometimes it's not that there's too much stuff. It lacks organization and a system that allows it to maintain order and orderliness and for things to have a place to be put. And so there's really... If you don't have, if you feel like you don't have too much stuff, it's your space management that needs to be looked at. How, uh, what do you need to implement in the management of your space and your belongings 
that allows it to stay orderly. Because I would say the opposite of clutter is order and a sense of calmness and a cleanliness. And there's degrees of cleanliness. I'm a super neat person. I always have been. From It's just something that came with me. It's a trait that I just, I'm, I can easily maintain order and create, maintain a clean living space. I always, I may, you may have heard me say this before. It's, I have this little uh, note on my third grade report card from my third grade teacher. Every classroom should have a carol in it to help keep it organized. <laughs> and so I came with an ability to organize space. And maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you're not good at organizing space. Maybe you know someone that's really good at it, and you're good at something else, and you can swap favors. What are you really good at that you can share with a friend who's really good at creating organization in space, in your living space, that they can come in and support you and create some um, systems that can be managed then? Because if you don't have a system that can be managed and create some habits around that, you cannot teach your children this. You know, they'll find it on their own if they have those attributes. My, I was much neater and tidier than my mother, so it wasn't like dependent on my mom. Um, I was able to develop my own personal attributes in spite of the, we lived in, you know, I'm not saying, we lived in a fairly neat home. And my mother had a cleaning lady from the time I was um, in grade school. And so I, I knew what it was to, on a routine basis, have our home cleaned up. And so we had a lot of good habits that I was able to be supported by by my mom. My dad's a pretty neat guy, so, well, he used to be. He's not so much anymore. So some things to consider before we look at your kids, decluttering your kids. So let's take a look now at how to help your children declutter. Now, for all four types, it's good to start with a conversation. Ask your child, what would an ideal space be to them? If their room, let's just say their space they live in, that's considered their space, which would be their room, and it's very possible they're sharing that with someone, another sibling, but do they have a space in their room they can call their own? It's independent of the shared space. Uh, you know, where the where their bed is, what is their space in their room? And if they had the ideal space, what could what would they want? And so you need to have that conversation so your child even has a consideration of, oh, maybe I never thought about that. What would be supportive to me? Maybe their playroom. Maybe where do they study? Maybe they have an opinion about the living space that's the joint space for the family. It would be an interesting conversation to have that chat with your child. Of course, if they're only two and three, but some four-year-olds may have an opinion about that. And if you ever asked your children, if you're home, if, the, if we could have it any way you wanted, what would it be like? Would it be neater? Do you, would you want it cleaner? Maybe it's so clean they feel stifled. I'd like to be able to, you know, maybe they feel uh, trapped a little bit because it's they're constantly being told to clean up, see? So it'd be interesting to have, I think you will learn a lot by having this conversation. And from that, you can come together with an intention. 
that you, if you have an intention to create something, you can both be on the same page with that. And then you're working with your child again, rather than them feeling frustrated that you won't support them in being things being neater or cleaner, or they feel confined to your high level of tidiness and cleanliness that they don't feel any freedom. See, so there's that range. Where do they fall in that? And how can you come together in creating something that supports both of you? It really should take more than 20 to 30 minutes, and I'd say 30 minutes tops for sure. I'm more towards the 20-minute side of things to clean a room, no matter a child's age. And so if it's taking a lot longer than that, and they're in there, and they are not motivated, and they don't know where to get started, they're in a cluttered space. They're in a space they don't know how to manage, and they're in overwhelm. And so um, what's creating that overwhelm that they don't even know how to engage to keep their to clean up the room? It's just too much. And that could be true for you. You know, are you overwhelmed by your space? And You should be able to clean any room in your home in 20 to 30 minutes. Easy. I really believe that. And if you're not able to, you've entered the space of over the overwhelming space of clutter that you can't get on top of it. So each of these tips could be supported for you as well. Because now we're going to look at the four types and some tips that will help each of the four types. Now, type 1 children and type 1 adults, they like their things out and around. And they do better with less. They really do. Now, they can easily acquire a lot of things because new fun day, new things are fun. So in order to support them, with having less in their space because they like it kind of out and about, rotate toys. Put half their toys in a big box, and in several weeks get those toys and put the other toys away. Let them pick which, maybe you have a number. You can have eight to ten toys out. Which ones do you want now? And they can't change their mind the next day. You have to let them know. Maybe a weekly rotation would be good because that can get annoying, you know, pulling out the box and saying, now they want this one. And so you have to be, no, uh, you know, you can have um, eight to ten toys and we're not going to see the box for another week. So pick the ones you want. And that becomes like Christmas once a month, once a week, whatever your rotation period is. And then you could even, not that you have time, but you could wrap. You could honestly throw them in a gift bag a few times. It's not a new toy, but it's a surprise. And they're not sure. Maybe you could have a few surprise toys and they're not necessarily new ones but you pick a couple that they don't know which toys they are and you've picked it for them and they get to unwrap it it's a surprise toy of the week and then give surprises make letting go of excess items fun by having them choose items to give away or donate to a cause so they like to share things they like to give gifts what could they give to someone else, to another cause, to take them with you when you go down to the donation center? Or maybe there's a homeless shelter, you know, that you can donate toys to. Let them be a part of that process. Now, our type 2 children, they have connections to their physical objects. And you'll learn all about this in the Child Whisperer. So these are not new concepts if you've read the book you'll know that type 2s make connections. There's memories embedded in those objects and often in many cases. 
And so that's a little bit more of a delicate matter, meaning you don't just load up their toys and take them out of their space or get rid of them without them. That's kind of a, it's like ripping toys out of their life. It's a little jarring to their nature. So in order to support them, you can create what I'm calling sentimental spaces. Get them a special container for their most sentimental items. Take pictures of others and let them go. If they like to, type two kids generally like to scrapbook or keep a log of things, diaries. So taking a picture of something, if they really love it or cherish it, and then they can write a little story or a memoir about that particular item. And then for them, create the process a little more delicately with a little more sensitivity. Maybe let it go pile. Create a physical space where they can put things they're still questioning, throwing out or donating. And you can read more about that um, in the Child Whisper book. But that, even for adults who are type 2 energies, the maybe let it go pile isn't quite as jarring to your more sensitive nature. So you can um, support yourself in letting go of things in a little more delicate manner. And maybe you need somebody to support you in that and say, yeah, you should move that on. <laughs> you could let go of that. It's interesting. The shows that feature people that hoard, people have a really overwhelming amount of belongings to a point where it's an addiction. I mean, it's very unhealthy. Hoarding is is clutter on steroids. You know, it's gone to a level of it's an addiction. It's a serious problem. And in... Every show I've ever, I haven't watched a lot of them, but the few that I've seen, I was curious. I thought, I wonder if all the people that are doing this lead with a type 2 energy. And from my observation, it was the case that they were all type 2s that just had their, it was a fear-based behavior that they couldn't let go of things. And there were some, I'm sure, emotional um, issues at a much deeper level that was feeding that addictive behavior. Now, our type three, they're good at big cleanup, but dislike tedious organization. So type three kids do, can move very quickly in cleaning up, but they're not necessarily as drawn to being as meticulous or dealing with what will feel tedious, slower, processes that take much more focused approaches. And so here's an idea. I love this idea, the 10-10-10 competition. 10 items to toss, 10 items to donate, and 10 items to put away. So you and your child both do it at the same time and see who wins. And you can modify the number according to the age or how many things you need to, um, maybe it's 333 because you just don't have 30 things that you're dealing with. And so switch your number according to what needs to be, um, what you're trying to achieve with decluttering, getting rid. Because I think we'd all agree that decluttering is does involve the process of moving stuff out, getting rid of it, uh, releasing it from your ownership. <laughs> so there, that little game 
will support a type 3. I mean, you might be a type 3 adult, but you would be really motivated by that. That would put you, move you into action to work within that construct, the 10-10-10 competition. And then practicality is the key word here for type 3s. These children are naturally drawn to the practical. And it is a part of their nature to only want to keep what is useful to them. And so do you need this is a great question to ask. If they say no, you can both likely let it go. Because if they're not, it's not useful in their life, it's not practical, there's not a need for it. In some cases, though, things can get moved on too fast, and there might be a, room, a little bit of room for that, maybe. Maybe I don't need it. And then you can see. Now, our type 4, they need, to, they need ownership of their space. Our type 4 children have that sense of their own authority. And so ownership of their space. And you ultimately want this for all children, all types of children, that they've taken ownership for their space that's true for their nature. But particularly in the case of a type 4, they have a very uh, keen awareness of what they value in their space and what they consider to be important to them. Uh, you'll learn in the Child Whisper book, right, the, in a type 4 child's world, the things that they have, they value the most, they care for with the most meticulous care. And they don't want others, they don't want, they don't, they have a concern that others would not care for it with the same level of care. And so they're very aware when things have been disturbed or people have come in and moved their items that they care for very, have a, a deep care for. And so these are children who are very keenly aware of, of people touching their stuff and getting into their stuff. They don't like that. So, number one motto is don't touch their stuff. <laughs> I shared that in a relationship webinar last year to adults that this is true for a, uh, if you're in a relationship with a type 4 person, a really good thing to remember is don't touch their stuff. And that would be true for children as well. Now, the younger they are, they learn... The thing is, when you know this about a child that's a type that's type four, that's only one, two, or three years old, and you start to honor this in them in their most developmental years, they have a great sense of being respected by you, and their bond with you develops very early that they feel you care very deeply for them. I know my daughter, who has a type four son, he has a box under his bed that's nobody can touch it's his stuff and he's a lock on it but it's the nobody touch my stuff box it's better that we don't they don't touch his stuff anyway even but he shares a room with his brother who's a type three and the type three brother knows that's not his it's his brother's stuff so dedicated spaces if your type four child is messy they don't feel they have ownership over that space See, if they don't feel ownership, they won't apply what they have a natural capacity for, which is to create order and structure. So discuss spaces that are theirs and give them ownership. If you're telling them how to clean it, if you're telling them what to do, they've never 
been given the authority over their space to say, how do you want to manage this space? For example, my type 4 son, he's 26, he wasn't particularly a clean, he wasn't messy, messy, but he wasn't really super clean and probably on my fault that I kind of ran that show for him and dictated a little more than what of what would have instilled his natural sense of order and structure. He was following my kind of lead on it and wasn't as motivated. Now that he owns his own home, has his own space, he's incredibly meticulous. That young man has the nicest lawn in the neighborhood. <laughs> his cars, he has great. He things that type four children have a strong connection with that they really find a lot of pleasure in they're very meticulous about so he has um, a fondness for cars and he's able to he he has this knack for finding very affordable cars cars they're not expensive cars because he doesn't have the income to buy really expensive cars right now and that's all relative but you know his car is a ford focus I think he got it for less than 20000 But it's a really sharp-looking little royal blue car, just that high shine, kind of that really cobalt blue, just really tight four with all black wheels. and looks really, really nice. And he said to me recently, oh, I'm so disappointed I didn't have time to wash my car today. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. You feel so sad about that. I said, how long does that take you? Mom, it takes me two to three hours to get it the way I want it. Like, I love that you care about your car with such detail, such keenness. It's because he's been given, oh, you know, he owns that car. He paid for it. So how much ownership does your type 4 child feel? Then eliminate overwhelm. They're so drawn to clean lines that if they have too much stuff to manage, they'll give up. This is an all-or-nothing trait and I mean, people, adult type four people will say, but I'm not very neat. And I said, well, probably because you've been in the nothing phase of you've just not, you've, you've never developed the habits, the traits, and developed the process in your management style because maybe you just weren't supported in that early on. It's never been an attribute you've really allowed to come forward and quite possibly you have too much stuff in your own space, and it's just overwhelming, so you don't even bother. It's all or nothing. And so ask them what really matters them, to them to keep and get rid of the rest. The, the, of all of the four types, these are the minimalists. In most cases, they enjoy less, and what they own needs to be a quality that they that they appreciate. So those are, four, those are tips. You might enjoy those for yourself. Apply those to your own management process. I've got my lines open now for any callers at 347-677-1963. If you've got a question for me, the lines are open, and you can press number one on your phone and that will show to me that you want to come on the show. I did have one question submitted. You can email your questions to parenting at liveyourtruth.com. 
this came in. I have a question, and I thought about it in regards to the self-defense, self-awareness post you did, which he's referring to my, I run two blogs, the Child Whisper blog and the Carol blog. That was a post that went up a few months ago on the Carol blog. So this parent writes, when I let my kids go to their friends' houses or even at school, how would I teach my kids the awareness of not letting anyone touch their body parts or see touch other people's body parts without making it a big deal or making them paranoid about it happening or bringing that into their reality? I don't want them thinking that it might happen if they go over to their friends. I just want to make them aware that there are people out there that do these things and what steps to take if it does happen. I want want to know how to talk about bad things can happen and prepare them for it without them being paranoid that it will or can happen to them. Inappropriate touching from a friend, getting in a car crash, the house is catching on fire. Okay, well, I don't know your type. Um, I, I don't know if I ever felt a need to forewarn my children about houses catching on fire or car crashes. I mean, I just don't live in that state of mind. Now, people speaking to them, touching them, treating them, general treatment from another human being. Now, I would classify, I wouldn't separate out, hey, if someone touches you in an intimate place, I would say if anybody touches you in any way you don't like, you have a right to say, don't touch me that way, and then please come tell your parents. I would also include people speaking rudely to them. There's two ways I go about this because I do believe we're creating our life experience and so what we attract, we manifest through our own fear if it's of a negative um, if it's a negative experience that we have some fear around that that we have to look inside ourselves and say, what fears am I holding that I'm manifesting this experience in my life? So I taught my children these principles of attraction and the process of creation. And you can read my book, Remembering Wholeness. That's a really good read to understand how to handle something like this. So you're really covering both sides. Because I also taught my children that they at any time could come to me or their dad and share if anything was happening in their life that made them feel scared, nervous, Um, even me, I would say, if I ever speak to you in a way or treat you in a way that makes you feel scared or that you're a bad person and you feel powerless, I want you to tell me. If I'm using a tone of voice that causes you to feel that way, I want you to be able to say, Mom, I feel scared right now. Or, Please change your tone of voice. It makes me feel bad about myself. So I would include other, if anybody treats them in a way that causes them to feel powerless, I feel bad about myself, or I feel scared, please come talk to mom and dad about it. Because I'm not covered, that you're not identifying specifics of, hey, if anybody touches you, because now you're putting things in children's minds for them to fear. That's a delicate line. If you start bringing up, you know, you could get in a car crash or somebody's house could catch on fire. 
you know, are you seeding this fear that then makes it the potential of it? Now there's a vibration of fear that's been activated in your child that will be more influential in the cause and effect, and now we have to prevent something because now they have this fear they didn't have before. So getting into specifics, I think, is a little... I feel it's going too far. I would never have... I mean, I get in the car every day, and I set an intention that I'm going to be safe, that I'm going to get to my destination with ease and a safe and efficient manner. So how do you counter the bad things happening? You set, teach your children how to set intentions to create what they want. And then the likelihood of anything showing up is very rare because they're operating in a space of, I'm creating my life. What's my intention? There's a process called segment intending. I learned it years and years ago from one of the original teachers. Excuse me, I'm going to have to sneeze here. <coughs> one of the original teachers I learned from the Law of Attraction was Abraham, uh, Abraham Hicks. Esther, Esther Hicks, who teaches this philosophy she calls Abraham. And, you know, it's got a lot of, it has great basic teachings. If you don't get into her theory of where she's getting it and all that, it doesn't matter. Take Glean the, the gold nuggets from it and learn from it, because that's what I chose to do, was to say, hmm, what are the truths here that really support me? And she taught a process called, you could even Google Abraham teaching segment intentions. Because her point in this was all through the day to see your day as segments. And as you set intentions at the beginning of each of the new segment, you could do it while you're doing your hair or getting dressed. You're just doing it in your mind. I'm grateful my hair's turning out so well today. I'm getting dressed. I'm knowing what to wear that supports me. So I do segment intending um, often through the day where I'll just notice, okay, what's my next segment during the day? What's my intention for this? And again, remembering wholeness is a great resource to support this approach to life and to support your children in understanding the power they have to be creators. And when you're in the proactive role of creating your life versus feeling powerless and like you're a victim that you have to prevent things, these kinds of conversations are very different and not um, you're, you're teaching how in a proactive way rather than instilling fear to try and prevent. So hope that helps you. The lines are open. Uh, eight, it's 9, or excuse me, 347-677-63. If you have a question, give me a call. And it's a great place to connect with me on a weekly basis. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, the show will be wrapping up the show early today because I only keep it going as long as we have callers or questions that, that I have have been sent in. So I'll give everybody a minute. I apologize for my sniffles. I'm doing my best to manage it in a way that it's I'm not interfering with the, your listening pleasure. So we've got coming up and whining without threats, bribes, or punishments. I think that's next week. Let me look. We may have updated. Yes, 
plan on that next week. And I'm looking forward. I'm. Um, we recently interviewed. I recently interviewed a public education fifth grade teacher. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that interview, it's a few weeks back. You can find it on the childwhisper.com website, the recording. Every show is recorded. You can subscribe to these at iTunes. Just do a search in iTunes for Carol Tuttle. You can um, go to the childwhisper.com website, and every radio show is indexed there with a, a synopsis of what the show's about. And I had a great interview uh, several weeks ago with a fifth grade teacher about how she's implementing child whisper approaches into her classroom. And I'm looking forward to an upcoming interview with a homeschooling mom who's been implementing the four types and child whisper principles into her homeschooling approach. And so that will be airing in March. You can look forward to that. And... Well, I don't have any callers calling in, so I'm going to wrap up today's show. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Continue to listen to the radio shows. There's just a wealth of information. It supports you in putting to practice what the Child Whisper book helps you understand as a parenting approach that would take a child from a stressful experience into a cooperative experience because I truly believe it's your parenting methods that are the first step in all behavioral responses of your child. It's how you're parenting that's determining how your child's responding to you. And so when you read the Child Whisper book, that's the first, all of the radio shows complement and give you real-life examples, especially all the callers that call in and inquire about their experience. It really helps you look at your children very differently and have a new way of understanding them and how to parent them. And with practice, it does get easier. It gets easier because it becomes increasingly more intuitive. And when you can intuit in the moment what your child needs, because now you have this awareness and understanding that insight can be given because you have your mind has been opened, you're able to put to practice immediately what's favorable to both you and your child, which then continues to build in your experience to take you out of a stressful parent-child relationship to a very happy, loving, cooperative, strong bond that I think all children want and ultimately all parents want. And yet if you did not have that in your childhood, it may be, a new concept for you to know how to create it with your own child because it wasn't something you were given in your childhood. But you can certainly swing that around. I'm evidence of that. I've been a very dedicated parent and I believe an effective parent even though my childhood wasn't as supportive as it could have been to my favor. But I've been able to learn from that and from that learning make changes that has supported my own children. So thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on the air. Send your questions to parenting at liveyourtruth.com or join me live next week for live calls. I'll be taking them again next week. Thanks for listening.
For more information on Carol's revolutionary Child Whisperer Parenting System, go to www.thechildwhisperer.com where you can learn more about purchasing her groundbreaking parenting book, The Child Whisperer. That's www.thechildwhisperer.com. To submit questions to Carol Tuttle's Child Whisperer show, email your questions to parenting at liveyourtruth.com. That's parenting at liveyourtruth.com. Thank you for being a part of today's show.